Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. We extend a warm welcome to all our brothers and sisters who have joined us in church this morning for worshipping of our triune God. We also welcome all the visitors who have joined us and to those who are with us remotely via the live stream. May all be comforted and encouraged by the preaching of the gospel and may God be praised and glorified by, he, by our worship. Consistent as the following announcements. The election meeting for office bearers is scheduled to take place immediately after this morning's worship service. The following baptised brothers and sisters have requested to publicly profess their faith and so receive admission to the Lord's Holy Supper. Janelda Bron, Jed DeVos, Melanie DeVos, Brooklyn Klein, Dylan Kramer, Stacey Oldenberger, Noah, Noah Plater, David Poppy, Nicholas Pott, Bianca Roth, Liam Scoof, and Cameron Visser. Having considered their motives as well as their knowledge of scripture and confessions, consistory resolves with thankfulness to the Lord to grant this request. If no lawful objections are brought forward by the 31st of October, the profession of faith will take place, the Lord willing, on Sunday the 6th of November in the morning service at Lumen Christi College. These students are requested to attend a brief meeting with elders tomorrow at 7.30 in the consistory room. The consistory with deacons will meet at 8pm tomorrow, the Lord willing. The annual church visitation as appointed by classes is scheduled for Thursday the 27th of October. Reverend Poppy will lead the worship service this morning and before we commence, let us sing together from Psalm 98 verse 3.
Brothers and sisters, please rise and lift up your hearts to God. As we come into God's presence, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Receive the blessing of God, grace to you in peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. Let's now sing a song of praise to God. We're going to celebrate the, the gift of coming into his presence, Psalm 84, the verses 1 and 2.
God has given us his commandments to convict us of the sins we've committed and also to show us how much he's done for us in his son, Jesus Christ. Let's listen to the words of God's commands as he come to us this morning in Deuteronomy chapter 5. There God says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and who keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, and you shall not commit adultery, and you shall not steal, and you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, or his male servant or his female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. We hear this, brothers and sisters, and we're convicted that we have sinned against the Lord and that we rest under his judgment. And it's as we come to that point where we're willing to confess our sins that the Lord wishes to assure us of his grace and forgiveness. And we're going to sing of that grace that God extends to his people from Psalm 36, verse 2.
Let's now pray to God and ask him for his blessing. Dear Father in heaven, we've just sung that your faithfulness and love reach to the heights of heaven above. You're God who, who made covenant promises to his people. You, revealed your, you have revealed yourself as the Lord, as the God who keeps his promise. Thank you, Lord, that we can read in the Bible of so many of the promises that you've extended to your people that you brought to fulfillment. Thank you most of all that you've fulfilled the greatest promise. You promised to send someone through whom you would reconcile us to yourself. And you sent your own son to bear the curse of our sin and to restore us in a relationship with you. Your Father in heaven, we thank you that you open your heart to us, that you pour out your love upon us, that you call us into your presence, and that you wish to remind us of the grace that you extended us in Christ. It's important for us to reflect on these things, Lord. We're sinners, and we often fall short of your commands. There's times where we feel really guilty about that. There's other times we don't feel guilty, and yet our guilt remains. We are those who, who offend you, and we... We rest under your judgment. We thank you then that you've sent your son to restore the relationship between you and us. We thank you for the love and faithfulness that you have towards us, Father. We don't deserve it. We're extremely grateful for it. Thank you also for for the care that you show us. We live in a, a world that's dominated by sin, by the sinful choices of people and, and the effects of those sins. So there's a great deal of suffering that that we see around us and that at times we also experience in our own lives. And at times, Lord, that, that suffering can be intense. It can lead to really difficult experiences. We thank you that in the midst of that, that you promise to be our faithful God, that you will care for us and that you promise to look after us. Thank you that you teach us how to manage suffering, how to handle it. We thank you, Lord, that you're, you're with us in the midst of our suffering. This morning, we're hoping to open to your word to consider what you teach us about how to deal with with brokenness and suffering. And we pray, Father, that you would give us your Holy Spirit, that we understand what you say. It's only through through your Spirit that we can understand spiritual truths. And so we pray that you would open our hearts to this, that you would draw us near, and that you reveal your kindness and your glory to us. We pray, Father, that the worship that we offer you on this day may be acceptable to you, that the songs that we sing and the prayers we offer, that the thank offerings we bring and the confession we make might be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So brothers and sisters, this morning I get to preach to you from Psalm 63. It's the, the text and also going to be the, the reading for this morning. So I invite you to open your Bible with me and we're going to read together from this psalm. The reason I've chosen Psalm 63 is because the... Uh, the Ward Bible Study, the theme for the Ward Bible Study this year is, You Shall Have No Other Gods Before Me. And here in Psalm 63, David celebrates the fact that the Lord is his God, and he shows us how to work with that in the real situations of life. So you can find that on page 567 of your guest Bible. Psalm 63, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, 
You are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with, with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exalt. For the mouths of liars will be stopped. So far. Let's now sing together from another psalm. This Psalm 42 is a psalm of... Psalm of Asaph, it's a psalm when he cried out to the Lord, also in a very difficult circumstance. So Psalm 42, the verses 1 and 3.
The text for the sermon this morning is taken from the chapter we read together from Psalm 63. Then after the proclamation of God's word, we'll sing from that same psalm, from Psalm 63, the verses 1 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, congregation loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, in the course of my work as a minister, one of the psalms that I've used most often in my pastoral work is Psalm 23. If someone is diagnosed with cancer, or they, they come near the end of their life, it's a beautiful psalm to read. We have someone who's in a situation where they're abandoned by others, or they're being attacked by others. And Psalm 23 is, is a profoundly comforting psalm to read. It's in those moments that, that the psalm really resonates with us. And the reason for that is because the theme of Psalm 23 is that David has confidence in the love and the care of the Lord. Psalm 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He's going to look after me. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. It's in the really difficult times of life, the Lord is there for you. And he tends to your soul. He gives you the peace that you need. It's especially in the hard times. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Well, it's a profoundly comforting psalm. You think about that, you reflect on it, and you realize the great love and the great care that the Lord has for you. But you know, Psalm 23, in many ways, is a finished package. It has the feel of someone who's lived a long life, and who at the end of his life, he looks back and he reflects over the course of his life, and he says, you know, when all is said and done, then the truth is that the Lord is my shepherd, and that I shall not want because he's here with me and he carries me. And that's a beautiful confession. It's amazing that David gets to that place that he's able to make that confession. But you know, the struggle of life is that sometimes you're in the moment. You're not at the end of life. You're not looking back over all the things that God has done for you over the course of 50, 60, 70 years. But you're in the middle of life. You're in the moment when things are really hard and you're deeply struggling. And the question becomes, when you're in that moment, how do you figure it out? How do you deal with it? So that you move from anxiety to peace. That you move from a lot of distress to a place of rest in your soul. Well, Psalm 63 is a psalm that tells us how to do it. Psalm 63 is written when David is in the wilderness of Judah. That's the heading of the psalm. And we know from the scriptures there were two occasions when David was in the wilderness of Judah. The first is when he was being pursued by Saul. 1 Samuel 23, 14, 15. Saul's trying to kill him. But he goes into the wilderness and he spends years 
fleeing from one place to the next, always trying to keep one step ahead of Saul so that Saul and the army doesn't wipe him out. In the second context, when David was in the wilderness, was in 2 Samuel 15, verse 28. His son Absalom was a very ambitious and charismatic young man. And he won the hearts of the people over to him. And so at some stage, he staged a coup. He got some of the most influential people of the kingdom to come along with him, and he rebelled against his father. And he led the army against David, and he was going to murder his dad and take over the kingdom. And once again, David fled, this time again, into the wilderness of Judah. And so he's in the wilderness, and both these occasions, he's being pursued. There's people after him who want to kill him. And the hardest part about it is that the people who want to kill him are his closest family members, his father-in-law and his son. Well, I don't know how many people here this morning have had somebody who wants to kill you. You pretty scary? And yeah, it's not to say that we don't know what it's like to be in the wilderness. There's other times, there's other ways that you can be in the wilderness. There's a number among us here who've experienced serious breakdown in family relationships, significant health concerns, mental, emotional distress, grieving, deep grieving, the loss of a loved one, coming to grips with past abuse, living with a spouse who's callous. You have times where you feel all alone and we are overwhelmed by life's pressures. Well, there's plenty of wilderness. And the question is, how do you move to peace and rest? But here in Psalm 63, David shows us. I preach God's word to you with this theme, earnestly seek God when you are in the wilderness. See, the first place, the call to seek him, secondly, to praise him, and third, to trust him. Now, if you're ever in the wilderness, brothers and sisters, if you're right at this moment in the wilderness, then oftentimes the tendency is to focus on the problems. There's this huge issue in your life. And this thing causes great distress. And oftentimes the worst, the worst of it is if the distress is the result of, of other people. If other people have sinned against you and if you're in profound distress because of the things that they've done, but when you're in that space, then it's easy to get stressed out. It's easy to let this consume your life and to get in a really bad place in your head. But you know, David, he's in that space where he's in great distress, but he's in a really good place in his head. And so how does he get there? What does he do? Well, it's really quite striking. The only way we know that David is in the wilderness is because it tells us in the heading of the psalm. If you read through the rest of Psalm 23, or Psalm 63, he never talks about it. He doesn't talk about Absalom, or he doesn't talk about Saul, or he doesn't talk about armies, or he doesn't talk about any of the distress that he's going through. He simply doesn't mention it. Instead, what he focuses on is on God. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He's out in the desert, and he says, you know, this desert, this parched land, it's a pretty good picture of what's going on in my soul. 
In my soul, I'm parched. I'm thirsty. I need the living water of the living God. I long for intimacy with God. How is it possible that he's in one of the hardest moments of his life, and yet he doesn't focus on the problems, but he focuses on the Lord? Well, he tells us that he's in this place because he knew God. He walked with God. David spent time in the shelter of God's wings. He experienced the loving care of God. That's what gave him the confidence in God's protection and care for him today. He tells us about over the course of his life, he spent time at church. That's what he says there. Verse 2, I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. David spent a life going to the sanctuary. He went into the presence of God. He came to, to church. And he met together with the Lord, and he met together with the people of God, and he focused his attention on the power and the glory of God. And he had built a life of doing this. Week after week, he went to the sanctuary, and he beheld who God is and what God did. And then the next verses, he talks about what else he knew about God. It's not just God's power and glory. Verse 3, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. David says, I know about the steadfast love of the Lord. God's love is enduring. It's constant. It never ends. David experienced that as a young boy. He was the one from this family who was chosen. There's all these brothers. One of them is going to be the king of Israel. Samuel's going to anoint one of them. It's not any of, any of the brothers there. It was, it was David who was out in the shepherd's field looking after the sheep. Call him in. And then Samuel anoints him. And then David, he goes into battle, and he defeats his enemies, and he's made the commander of the army, and he has victory at every turn. He experiences God's steadfast love, God's faithfulness, time after time after time. God makes promises to him, promise to make him the king, promise to give him the kingdom. He promised to give him victory in battle. He promised that his sons would reign on the throne forever. And David had experienced the fulfillment of a bunch of these promises. And so when he looks back on his life, when he thinks about what he knows from the Lord that he learned over the course of his life, when he thinks about the steadfast love that God's shown him over the course of his life, then he meditates on these things. And he calls them to mind. And in the hard times of life, he earnestly seeks the Lord. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you and my flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Well, you think about that, brothers and sisters, and and we know these things about God. We come to church, and we know that God is powerful. We know that God is loving. We know that God is faithful. His steadfast love is, is faithful. We know the glory of God. We behold his glory from time to time. And yet, sometimes, in the middle of conflict, you don't always have the same perspective. It's so easy for us to focus on the hurt, the frustrations, 
the grievances and to be consumed by the problems. So how does David do it? Well, again, in verse 5, he tells us. He says, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. He's fleeing. He's in the middle of the desert. He wakes up in the middle of the night. And what does he call to mind? He meditates on the Lord. He calls to mind that God has been his help and that he's secure in the shadow of God's wings. I'm not sure how often you've been awake in the middle of the night, brothers and sisters. When life's tough, that's usually what happens. Those are the days when we, when we wake up. And David's telling you here, he's saying that what needs to happen in those moments so that you don't spend the next hour or two hours or three hours ruminating about all the problems and trying to solve all the, the difficulties that you have. He says what you do in those times is you meditate upon the Lord. You call to mind how the Lord has been your help. You think about the fact that you are in the shelter of his wings. Lord Jesus Christ, he uses that image. Matthew 23. He says of his people, he says, how often he's wanted to be like a hen that gathers his wing, that gathers his children under his wings and protects them. Well, that's the image here. The Lord is a hen. And David is one of his children. And the hen, she sits on her brood. And all her little her little chicks, they're under her wings where it's safe, where it's secure, where it's comforting, where it's protected, protected. Well, that's what David calls to mind in the middle of the night. That's where he spends his time. He thinks about, about what he knows, about what he's learned about the Lord. And he turns those things over in his mind. And he experiences peace and intimacy with God. Do you understand what it takes, brothers and sisters, to, to live closely with the Lord? You have to know God. You have to build a life week after week after week that you come to church. And when you come to church, then you hear the word. You reflect on that. You take it to heart. And you build your life on that. And the next thing that needs to happen is you need to suffer. You need to suffer hard times. And it's when you go through the hard times that you open the word. And you go back to the scriptures. And you remind yourself of the promises of God. You open up the Psalms. And you read the Psalms. Psalm after Psalm after Psalm. One third of the Psalms are songs of lament. They're songs where people are in great distress. Because of terrible things that are happening. You know David he actually wrote Psalms about this experience. He wrote Psalm 3. That was about the time when Absalom came after him. He wrote Psalm 54, Psalm 57, Psalm 59, Psalm 68, about the time when David was pursuing him and David was chasing after him. 
Well, he writes these psalms. He talks about the distress that he experiences. But at the end of the psalm, he always finds peace in God. He always reminds himself of who the Lord is and what the Lord has done. And he is restored to this place of peace and rest. Well, when you are in the wilderness, brothers and sisters, you remember who God is. That he is your helper. And that you are in the shelter of his wings. That he is powerful and glorious and loving. And you turn to him. And you pray his words back to him. And you'll find the peace of Christ in your soul. It's pretty special to know the Lord, brothers and sisters. You're going to be in the middle of this, this craziness. People hate you. Terrible things happen to you. Sometimes there's all these lies. And that was the space David was in. Verse 10, he talks about that, how the mouths of liars will be stopped. Well, around him, there's all these people who are telling lies about him. So after the slander, he's, he's chased out of, out of his place and he has to flee for his life. But he turns to God and he remembers who God is. He finds peace and security in God. And it's, it's real. It actually happened. He talks about it in Psalm 3. He's fleeing from Absalom. He says the most amazing thing, Psalm 3 verse 5, I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of the many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. So he flees out of Jerusalem. He gets to the Jordan. He's about to cross over into the wilderness. He desperately needs to rest. The people are extremely tired. And then he hears word from Jerusalem. They say, listen, whatever happens, you need to cross the river. You need to get into the wilderness. And so in the middle of the night, they spend the whole night crossing the river. They get to the other side. And David says, okay, Lord, I've done what I need to do. I'm going to rest. I'm going to sleep. And he does. He falls asleep and he gets a good night of rest. Because the Lord is his shelter. And because the Lord is looking after him. You know, he's an old man. He's done it over and over. He spent years fleeing from Saul. He's had a lifetime behind him where he's seen the faithfulness of the Lord. By Psalm 5 or Psalm 3, he's in this place where he rests. And he says, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to let anxiety fill my heart. The Lord is my God, and I'm secure in him. That's really the, the confession that he makes in the middle of that psalm there. Verse 3, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. Well, here you have a man who is deep peace with the care of the Lord. Do you know anyone like that, brothers and sisters? Have you met people like that? Talked about them? Talked with them? I've met a few of those people. I had a brother diagnosed with cancer, esophageal cancer. What a serious matter. He's an old man, 90 years old. The nurse does the intake and, and says to him, listen, can you please fill in this sheet? And question number five there, 
you have esophageal cancer, it's a very serious matter, um, there's a likelihood, there's a real possibility that you're going to die. How concerned are you about dying? Zero to ten. And he circles a zero. And the nurse sits down with him, she, she thinks he doesn't get the question. Jacob, we need to talk. You might die. And he says, yeah. He says, I know. But he says, the Lord has been my life, my God, all my life. And he sustained me time after time. And he is fully capable of taking care of me today. He tells us a story of living in the, the concentration camps. Almost killed by tuberculosis. Almost dies by the Allied bombing. Almost dies when he flees out of the camp and when he escapes across the Americans. And the Lord looked after him during that time and through the rest of his life. And so he had a deep sense of peace in the care of the Lord, no matter what the circumstances. Or another story of a brother with a serious life-threatening injury or life-threatening illness. The doctors, they can't figure out what's going wrong. They know he's really sick, but they just don't know what's going on. And so over the course of the months, he writes these, he has these conversations, he writes these emails, and it always ends that the Lord is good. And after months and months and months of still not finding out what's going on, it changes and it says the Lord is still good. And at his funeral, after he passed away, they figured out that the, the doctors had made a mistake and they, had, they missed something pretty basic. At the funeral, his wife ends off and she writes, she says, about him, you know, what happened, and she ends off with the words, and the Lord is always good. Deep suffering. You live in the Psalms, in the midst of the suffering. You find peace in God, in knowing who he is, and knowing his care for his people. And the result is that in your soul, you find rest. You find security. These are people who have lived out the words of Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It is... The gift of God in Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. It's only possible through the Spirit of God. Our Savior, he lived this life. Profound distress. People who hated him. People who wanted to kill him. And he turned to the Lord. He often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He strengthened himself with the scriptures. And he went into the secret place with God. He hid away, and he had communion with his father. He opened his heart. He poured out his heart to God. He strengthened himself with the Bible and then talked to his father in heaven. And as he did so, in our Lord Jesus Christ, he had the peace of God that lived in him. And it's this peace that he offers you. Now, there's some of you here this morning who are in a difficult place some broken relationships, some other distress, other forms of, of real suffering. 
It's quite something to have to suffer. But the real treasure is that when you're in the midst of the suffering, that you turn to God in prayer, that you strengthen yourself with his word, and that you live with him and walk with him through the midst of it. And then he will be with you. He will give you his peace, and you will find rest for your soul. And actually, you know how good it gets in that place? It's not just rest. Deep down, you're filled with joy. And you sing. That's what David does. Look at Psalm 63. If you open your Bible with me there. I'm going to start reading at at verse 3. Psalm 63, verse 3. We're going to read the next five verses there. I'd like you to notice the words praise and joy and sing. So he's in the desert, and then he prays. He says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. I'm going to praise God, and I'm going to bless God, I'm going to have joy in my heart, and I'm going to sing out of that joy. When we have confidence in the Lord's care for you, when you experience the peace of God within your heart, when your heart is filled with the peace of Christ, then you can have joy, even in the middle of really difficult circumstances. And out of the joy of walking with the Lord, then your heart can be filled with song. You break out into songs of thanks and songs of praise because of the peace that you have within you. You know, David, he wrote psalm after psalm. He's the, the author and the psalter who, who wrote more psalms than anyone else. And when you read through the psalms, there's enough of these psalms that are about distressing circumstances. But in virtually every psalm in the psalter, actually, it is every song, with the exception of Psalm 88. In every other psalm in the psalter that is a lament, that's crying out to the Lord because of distress, it ends off in a word of praise and a word of thanks. The Lord is my God, and the Lord cares for me, and my heart is at peace and at rest because I'm secure in his loving care for him, of me. And so I'm going to sing, and I'm going to praise, and I'm going to thank him for what he's done. But when you're in that place, then nothing can steal your joy, brothers and sisters. It's hard, and you have to live through it. But day after day, week after week, month after month, after you strengthen yourself in the scriptures, after you seek the face of God, you earnestly seek him and you cling to him, you receive the peace of God. And then you have a joy, a deep down joy, that no one can steal from you. I know it's possible you hear about these things, brothers and sisters, and you think to yourself in the back of your mind, you wonder 
if it's all really true. Now, maybe that hasn't been your experience. Maybe you're not there yet. Or maybe you look to the end of the psalm here. You know, when you look at the end of the psalm, you can wonder to yourself, if David is so filled with a sense of the love and peace of God, isn't he kind of brutal? In the last verses of the psalm there, he says, verse 9 and following, he says, But those who seek to destroy my life shall go, go down to the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of all liars will be stopped. Well, it sounds an awful lot like David has a lot of hatred in his heart. It sounds like he wishes that his enemies were dead. Well, where is the sense of peace? Well, to make sense of it, you have to understand that's not really the truth of the situation. He's not wishing that people were dead. Because if you read the historic circumstances in which David lived, he actually wished the opposite. When he was fleeing from Saul, there's a bunch of opportunities where his men could have killed Saul. They were chasing after Saul. Saul comes into the cave. They could have killed him. They're saying to David, hey, just give us permission and we'll take him down. But there's other occasions where they had him. They slip into the, into the camp. They steal his, his water jug, his spear. Like they were there and they could have killed him. But they leave him alone and they, they go back. And so David, he didn't give permission. He's not in this space where he's filled with hatred and he wants, to, he wants to kill Saul. In fact, when Saul actually dies, 2 Samuel 1.11, it says that David tears his clothes at the news of the death of Saul. It says that he and his men, they mourned and fasted and wept till evening for Saul and for his son Jonathan. And the scripture actually tells us it was even a more difficult experience when, Jonathan, when his son Absalom died. Absalom's coming after him. The whole army of, army of Israel is with him. Then he has Joab, the commander of his army. He's got a couple of other men, Abishai and Ittai. And he says to these commanders of his army, he says, he says go and, and deal with, with my enemies. But he says, please, please, please be gentle with my son Absalom. Be gentle with him. Kid gloves. And what happens is Joab kills him. When the king hears the news, then he's deeply moved. He weeps. He cries out. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son, my son Absalom, would that I had died instead of you, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Those are not the words of a man who's bent on revenge. It's not spoken by someone whose heart is filled with hatred. So how do you make sense of these words? What David's saying here is he's saying there may be people who hate him. There may be people who are, who are going after him. But he's saying he trusts in the power, the righteousness, the justice of the Lord. He knows that the Lord is God. And the Lord will deal with those who hate him. He doesn't have to be stressed about them. He doesn't have to be anxious about them. He doesn't have to, to try to get even with them. 
because the Lord is his God and because the Lord will deal with them. That's really the sense of the words. If you read these words, verses 9 and 10, those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. God is going to deal with people according to what they deserve. He's going to take responsibility for that, and he's going to manage that. And so that frees David up. He doesn't have to worry about it. He doesn't have to stress over it. He doesn't have to get even with them. He can do what God calls us to do, Luke 6, to do good for your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. Well, brothers and sisters, when you're in the wilderness of life, when you have people who hate you and who go after you, that at the end of the day, you don't have to stress about it. You don't have to fix them. You don't have to make them repent and make them change and make them treat you well. You, know, you pray for their repentance. You do what you can to help and to bless them. You ask God to restore the peace and to bring reconciliation. But at the end of the day, you trust the Lord, that he is God, and that he works it out, that no one gets away with anything, that those who lie and those who act in violence, in the end, the Lord will deal with them according to his justice and his wisdom. Well, the theme for the Word Bible study this year, brothers and sisters, is you shall have no other gods before me. You read Psalm 63. Do you understand why the Lord calls us to worship him alone? He is a good God. He loves you. And he cares for you. And he wants to go well with you. You are his dear children. And he has deep affection in his heart for you. He knows that you're going to suffer. And he allows that. Often the worst of it is at the hands of other people especially people who know you and who are supposed to love you. Well, if you're in the wilderness, you need to know that God hasn't abandoned you. You need to understand that he sees and he cares and that you are in the shelter of his wings. It's when you wake up in the middle of the night that he calls you to focus your attention on his power and his glory, to call to mind his steadfast love that he has promised to you, and that he's fulfilled for you in Jesus Christ. You need to remember that our Lord Jesus Christ was also in the wilderness. Matthew 4, the Spirit led him into the wilderness. And when he was in the wilderness, it wasn't a time of, of peace and sunshine and roses. And when he was in the wilderness, and he was attacked, he was tempted by the devil. But the Lord strengthened him. The Lord sustained him. The Lord sent his angels to minister to him, and he was faithful during that time. Well, he promises to give you his spirit, to live in your heart, and to carry you through it. And so in the midst of the suffering, you call upon God, you seek his face, and you rely upon his grace. The Lord will never leave you or forsake you. He loves you, and he will bring you to glory. Amen. Let's sing together. We're going to sing from the same psalm, Psalm 63, the verses 1, 2, 3, and 4.
Let's now call upon the Lord in thanksgiving and prayer. Our prayer this morning will also remember the, the father of our brother, Rob Old. So his dad has, has cancer. He's had cancer for years, and it's been a remission, but it's really come back again. He had to spend a few days in the hospital. Thankfully, he's home again, but still a journey that he needs to walk through, and so we'll pray that God would sustain him during this time. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, there are times when we are in the wilderness. There's times when we suffer in life. It can get pretty intense at times. Lord, we, we earnestly seek you. We cling to you. You are our God, and we love you. We are secure in the shelter of your wings. Thank you, Lord, that you encourage us, that you're a faithful God who does love us, and that you will be our help, and that you will look after us. We pray, Father, that as we live through the wilderness, that we're able to open your word, that we may strengthen ourselves with the promises of the gospel, that we call to mind what you have done for us, how rich we are in Christ, and who we are in Christ. We ask, Father, that as we meditate on these things, even at night, when we, when we wake up at night, when we think about these things, that we may experience the peace of Christ in a rich way in our hearts. Dear Father in heaven, we also pray that during the course of normal life, that we may faithfully come to church and consider your word, that we faithfully read your, your word and contemplate what you say, that we turn it over in our minds, and that we, we understand your nature, your character, and your dealings with your people. Father, when we're, we're in the midst of the struggle, then sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes we have, we have a huge spiritual struggle on our hands. It's during those times that we can be powerfully attacked by Satan and his demons. But we thank you that, that Jesus Christ resisted that, that he was faithful. And we thank you that you promise us that you'll give us the spirit of Christ and that through his power you'll preserve your people through to the end. We find our confidence in you. We trust that you will accomplish the work that you have begun. Father, please continue with us. Please bring us into glory. Please give us the peace of Christ. And please give us rest in our souls. We also pray, Father, that you would help us to live together as a community. We ask that we walk alongside a life with each other through the trials and the difficulties that we face. Give us humility, Lord, in our dealings with each other. Grant that we not sit in judgment on others, that we not be, be quick to judge, but rather, Lord, grant that we may be willing to, to understand, that we seek to understand people's hearts, what they're really enduring, what they're going through, and that as we understand them and as we love them, that we have the ability to, to speak good words to them, the words that you give us. Father, we pray that in this way, that as a church, that we can be a healing community, that there may be a lot of love and kindness and compassion that there's a lot of, of directing each other back to you and to your promises and to your word. We pray that in this way, that we may together experience unity of faith, that we may together be secure in the peace of Christ. Lord, we thank you to the extent to which you have given this. We thank you in the many ways in which you're busy in our lives. We thank you for the suffering and the distress that we've experienced. And we thank you, Lord, that you be near us in the midst of that, that you've carried us through it, that you've drawn us close to you, and that you've, you've revealed yourself to be a loving and faithful God in the midst of it all. Thank you that there are so many among us who, 
who know the peace of Christ in a really deep way and who are deeply secure in your, your kindness towards them. Father, we ask that, that you would give us all what we need to, to walk in this way, to cling to you, and to earnestly seek you. Thank you for being our God, and thank you for your grace in Christ. Pray then, Lord, that you be near to those who, who have health concerns, grateful for, for Brother Trent Courthouse, that he can come out of the hospital. We ask that you would give restored health to him, and that all may go well for him. Pray, Father, that you be with, with the father of her brother, Rob Old. Once again, he, he's in a difficult way because of the cancer. We want to ask that you would please sustain him, that you carry him. Most of all, Lord, that, that he can turn to you and that he's deeply secure in your love and promises towards him, that he has a rich measure of the peace of Christ within him. Thank you for being his God and thank you for the comfort that you do give him. And we pray that you'd also be near to, to our brother and to his family, to the rest of the family, that you comfort them with your promises and that you carry them through the midst of the, the distress. Father, we also pray that you take care of so many others who have significant health concerns. Be near to those in our congregation who are struggling with broken relationships. Please be a father to those who are grieving the loss of loved ones. Please be near to those, Father, who, who also suffer suffer distress because of mental and emotional difficulties. Be our Father and help and carry us and show your, your love and grace to us. Pray, Lord, that, that if anyone's feeling overwhelmed at this time, that you would, would carry them through it and that you, you give them what they need to endure through to the other side. Dear Father in heaven, we also want to, to ask for your blessing over the work that's being done by the members of our congregation and helping those who are coming out of drugs and alcohol, please be with Pindari with the work that they're doing. Grant your blessing upon it and grant that it may go well. I also pray, Lord, that you would please bless the mission work that we may be involved with. We're grateful that we can share the hope of the gospel with others in PNG. I want to pray, Father, that you be near to our missionaries, that you surround them with a sense of your love and dearness, and that you give them all that they need. We're grateful that they could have this women's conference, this Mama B- Mama's Bang, and that we ask, Lord, that you would please grant that it may bear good fruit, that the women may be encouraged in their faith in you, that they may support one another and love each other, that they can grow close to you and close to each other. I also wish to pray for one of the indigenous pastors, for Pastor Isidore and his family. Pray, Lord, that in the next six months, when they're away from their congregation, when they're serving elsewhere, that they may have a, a refreshing time, a break, that they may be re-energized for the work, and, and that this may be a time where they experience your love and your nearness in a special way. I also pray, Lord, that you would please be with the congregation in one tune. They're in the process of nominating a few new elders. And we ask that you would please make all things well. Please give spiritual maturity to the men of the congregation, that they're able to, to provide spiritual leadership for your people and grant that this may go well. And we also wish to thank you, Lord. We're grateful that some of the members of our congregation could, could go there, that they could strengthen the missionaries. Thankful that they could arrive safely home, and we pray for a blessing of the work that they have done as well. Father, we also wish to ask you that you please bless us as we share the hope of the gospel, not just on the mission field, but also here at home. Grant that our conversations with others, that we may speak about who you are and what you've done for us, that we can speak about the, the peace that we have in us, the hope that we have in our hearts, about the gifts that we receive through Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that also through our testimony, that you would draw many to yourself. I also want to ask, Father, for a blessing 
over the, the work that's being done in Cairns. We're grateful for the, for the work of Armadale. They, they support Reverend Cruz there. We want to pray, Father, for a blessing over his preaching and a blessing over the church there. Please grant that they may grow in spiritual maturity, that, they may, that you would also bring new members to their fellowship. Grant, Father, that, that this work may bear fruit and that it may be for, for, the good of, for the glory of your name and for the good of your people. Father, we're, we're grateful that you're a loving God, that you send your gospel all over this world, and that you draw people to yourself from all nations. Pray that this, this work may reach its fulfillment, that Christ may return on the clouds of heaven. And Father, one other thing we wish to ask you, we're about to have a congregational meeting in which we elect new, el- new elders and new deacons for our church. I want to pray for your blessing over that, Lord. Please give us a blessed time together. and Please grant that we're able to elect men who can serve faithfully in the office so that your congregation may be well cared for. Thank you for instituting the offices. And thank you for using this as a means to care for your people. Please bless the office bearers and the work that they do. And please hear us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you have the opportunity to serve God with your thank offerings. The collection this morning is for the work of the mission work in P&G. And after the collection, we're going to sing together from hymn 54, the verses 1, 2, and 8.
the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.